spookyish listeners. We are talking about the Wendigo, another Native American folklore monster things today. Yeah, mainly we are doing the Wendigo because I was going to do a short story on the Wendigo for our cannibalism episode, Mm -hmm. but we decided it's kind of a fun cryptozoology, scary thing to where we do a whole episode on it. Yeah, it's definitely worth its own episode. It's very exciting. Yes. So you grew up with Wendigo stories in Wyoming, right? Yes. Because it's something Definitely. I had never heard about until you told me about it. Yeah, I. it's a really funny story. I did this podcast once in Austin, and there was this stuck-out bitch that was on <laughs> the podcast that just, she kept acting like she was the only one who knew anything and kept shutting everyone down or like you'd say something she's like oh yes um that is correct and you know like shit like that oh and that's like, so annoying it's also my opinion so can you not say that it's correct you're insane yeah and so I threw out the windigo and she was like I've never heard of that and I just remember I was like my trump card <laughs> like I found it yeah you stupid bitch <laughs> now calm down and shut up let some other people talk uh, but yeah, so the Wendigo is one that I thought was a well-known, you know, forest monster demon that yeah. people knew about, but apparently not. Yeah. But then I guess, you I, again, you have to think that, especially like the southern region or, you know, in California big cities, there aren't a lot of forests and cold winter nights. Nope. That, like, are where the Wendigo legend come from, so. Yeah. It yeah. definitely seems to be very, very regional from when I was reading about it. Like, yeah. northern, and it's only in, like, cold temperatures is what they said. Yeah, yeah, because it's, uh, yeah, the Wendigo is really big in Ontario, especially because they have the Wendigo cave there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you looked that up at all. I didn't. What is that? Uh, so it's, it's supposedly, it goes back and forth on the internet whether or not it exists, but it's supposedly a cave in Ontario, Canada, where... Ontario is actually known as the capital for the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of things about Ontario. And... Yeah, because they have so many sightings up there and cases of Wendigo activity even today. Because that's the other thing about the Wendigo is that a lot of Wendigo sightings dropped off once Native Americans had more access to food during the winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, once more white settlers you know, took over the north, and st- started destroying the land and things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they did definitely dip off in other places, but in, now even in the 20th century, 21st century, it, Ontario continues to have a lot of Wendigo yeah, sightings, which is interesting. So the Wendigo Cave is, it's it's hard to figure out where the exact location is. Even on Reddit, people were debating where it was, and it's one of those things where it may have just been a rumor that got started. Some people are talking that it might just be a rumor that doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. And then other people are saying, no, it exists, and there's actual cave paintings in the cave of Wendigo monsters. Mm. So I kind of want to see it. But from the sounds of it, it's not a cave like you can drive to. Like, you actually have to hike to it and find it in the woods. Like, real Blair Witch style. (laughs) You have to, like, fight Wendigos in order to get to the Wendigo cave. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Only the strongest survive. Yeah. That's um, interesting. That is interesting. So, yeah, we'll do our questions now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a question. So, I took 
basically, I kind of got sidetracked because we were doing Wendigos and like other native scary things, and I ended up um, researching skinwalkers, which are like mm-hmm. a Navajo, um, like medicine men turned evil. I'll go into it more of what it is specifically, but it also is. Um, and a lot of native cultures, even, even good medicine men are said to be able to shape shift and they can choose like any animal form. But if you had to choose one animal form that you could <laughs> learn how to change into, what would it be and why? That I could learn to change into? Yeah. Um, I don't, man, I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I watched this movie called Thunderheart all the time. It has Val Kilmer in it mm-hmm. and in it they kind of debate the existence of shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. And there's this one guy who the FBI is trying to pin a murder on mm-hmm. in the tribes. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> it's a great movie. Check it out. It's called Thunderheart with Val Kilmer. And all the Native American actors are phenomenal. Anyways, so this guy shapeshifts into a deer Yeah. in the movie. Well, you're not sure if he does or not because the way it's done, you're like, did he hide and there was just a deer hiding there or did he legit turn into this fucking deer? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would turn into a deer, because I feel like you would get shot by hunters. That's what I was going to say. Like, a deer would be so fun, because they're so graceful. So it can, like, run quick, and, like... And, like, Harry Potter's mom, was, <laughs> that was her Patronus, wasn't it? Was a doe, yeah, yeah, and her da- his dad was a stag, and he's a stag, too. But, um, and his dad could change into a stag, but... Yeah, so I always thought I would want to be a deer because I used to see deer running through the forest outside of our house when we were growing up. But yeah, you yeah. totally get shot. They're <laughs> like a wild horse. Yeah. It's a weird version of a wild horse. <laughs> Even though wild horses exist. Uh, it's like a forest puppy. Yeah. Except more majestic and nimble. I don't know. I think, oh man, it just sucks because so many people hunt those animals. Like in the uh-huh. areas where you would transform or places where hunting is, yeah. you know? So I think I would want to be either a like a like a wolf, mm-hmm. a wolf. I also say wolf instead of wolf. <laughs> or an owl. I think it'd be so cool to <gasps> be to be able cool. to turn your head like three hundred and sixty degrees. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's one eighty, right? Three hundred and sixty. They'd snap their goddamn the, necks. Yeah, it would just be on a pivot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just one of those spinning office chairs. Yeah, <laughs> want to be an owl with a spinning office chair for a neck? Yes. Um. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say the same thing, like a coyote or a wolf would be really cool, but then I'd, I'd be afraid you'd also get shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though, well, wolves were protected until our government just lifted that. But, um, or like maybe an eagle, because you're legally not allowed to shoot eagles, so. <laughs> but that makes them all the more tempting to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. And you could fly, but being an owl would be really, really dope, too. Yeah, especially because there's so much terror associated with owls like so owls in native american legend also in braveheart if you see an owl it means that someone you know will die so they're supposed mm-hmm. to be like bringers of death mm-hmm. which i think is creepy and cool it can it can mean death or it can mean because also like throughout a lot of the spirituality that i follow owls are like that it can be death but it can also be like a um my spiritual teacher who i learned from the most he is a native, um, like, medicine man and from a native medicine man family. And he's, like, it can also be, like, um, it can mean, like, actual death, but it can also mean, like, a huge, huge change change or transformation, like, kind of a rebirth type of thing. But it also is a symbol from your guides and from the universe that it's time for you to, like, learn some spiritual wisdom or to listen more to your guides because they're trying to teach you things. Interesting. 
owls have strong food looking. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so what it, you ended up saying you'd want to be a wolf or a coyote? Well, I was thinking that, but then it would be pretty dope to fly. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, I'll be an owl. I'll throw up the bones of my prey. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll make that trade-off. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like a like an eagle or an owl would be pretty dope, I think. Or I've always really liked crows and ravens because they're actually really, really smart. So oh, that's true. That would be cool. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Natasha, have you ever had create like any type of Native American superstition in your family at all, or interacted I, with it? I haven't. My grandfather was half Cherokee, but then also he used to like try to pretend that he was like full white all the time because of mm. horrendous racism. You know? Yeah, which is fair. Um, so I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of that kind of stuff got buried. I do remember when we were younger, he would mention, like, um, or when I was really young, my brothers don't remember this, but I do remember him saying it once or twice about not, like, not cutting your hair, talking about that, but then he, well, he was balding, so, and then he wore a toupee, and then <laughs> He my, really just didn't want you to cut your hair, because he's like, I just want it so bad. Yeah, and my grandmother always kept her hair short, so I was like, I don't think he actually believed it, but he would talk about how, like, I think, because his mom never really cut her hair, I don't think. I don't know, my dad's probably like, none of this is true. But I remember him specifically once talking about, how, like, if you cut your hair, it, like, messes with your, like, instincts, because that's a big thing, mm-hmm. is that a lot of Native tribes talk about, like, uh... The longer you grow your hair, the better you can, like, listen to your intuition and stuff, and it can pick up on things. Um, so other than the Wendigo, did you grow up with any other Native legends? Oh, yeah, like... Because your family's Native, too, like, more than mine, right? Yeah, well, my dad's just insane, um, <laughs> as you all know from the Y2K episode. Yeah. Uh, well, we had, we, we thought our house was buried, like, built on an Indian burial ground or some shit. It was weird. Uh, but we also lived right next to, I mean, and by right next to, I mean, like, it was a four-hour drive, but the Badlands mm-hmm. in South Dakota, mm-hmm. which are supposedly insanely haunted, and when you go there, it just looks like you're, you're in a giant field of, like, the bottom of a lake bed. Oh, weird. With all the cracks and stuff, but yeah. it's hills and plateaus and stuff. Yeah. And... It said that, like, you should never be there after dark. Mm-hmm. All this creepy stuff happens there. I don't know. Ugh, it's just, like, I just want to go to the Badlands right now and get <laughs> creeped out. But it's, like, super desolate and hardly any wildlife lives there. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, no vegetation. It's really interesting. That is interesting. So it's not really legend legend or, like, a superstition, but it's... Just, like, heard a bunch of stories about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now I want to go to the Badlands and, like, do a podcast there. Yeah. Oh, God. It'd be so creepy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm also from, like, a super white, super hick, like, part of the country. And then, so, <laughs> we didn't really have a lot of these stories at the, at the growing up. But it's interesting reading about it now. is very predominant to the north because it kind of has to do with being trapped in the woods Mm -hmm. especially during like a cold time or during the winter the wendigo with native americans is Mm -hmm. like super associated with winter and death Mm -hmm. and you know kind of that i feel like all cultures have this they have some sort of mythology or kind of 
deity associated with, you know, the changing of the seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, we always view winter and, like, the dying of crops as death and yeah things like that. So, I don't know. Yeah, I was, when I was reading about it, it was saying that, like, um, some, like, tribe leaders would also warn, or um, spiritual leaders would also warn that, like, if you ever resorted to cannibalism, then you would then turn into a Wendigo, and so it was kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, a spirit you could become, but then it really happened on a lot of tribes that would get isolated because of wind and ice and snow, and there was nothing else, so sometimes they'd have to resort to cannibalism in order to survive, and that's, like, where the, the legends came from. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and it's interesting because you look up Wendigos now, and now everyone describes them as being, like, a half-deer, half-man, or some kind of crazy physical demon thing, but... When Wendigo originated, it was actually more of, like, just a spirit, like a demon spirit that, almost like a succubus, Mm -hmm. that could latch onto your mind and whisper things, like, you know, that you should eat people or, um, you know, feed off of your own life force. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it just talks about how, yeah, you could turn into a Wendigo. The two ways you could turn into a Wendigo were if a Wendigo followed you and decided to like succubus you you know turn you into a wendigo or yeah if you consumed human flesh it was thought that you were automatically going to become a wendigo yeah and they would actually kill you so if you did that they would your tribe would take it upon themselves to kill you oh yeah and you'd actually ask to be killed because it was so feared to become a wendigo yeah that you'd want Die. Like, you'd be like, fucking kill me before I turn into this thing. Yeah. Like a zombie. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like yeah. zombie when you know you've been bitten. You're like, I'm, I'm changing. Quick, shoot me in the head. Yeah. The other one that I think you could turn into a Wendigo is if you were insanely greedy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were very greedy or gluttonous because the tribes, you know, in order to survive, they had to share resources. So, I think, again, it was like a lesson. Yeah. You know, a, the terror that if you didn't. Like, share. Share, yeah. You would turn into this demon monster. Yeah. That had to eat people. Yeah. So, how we're talking about how you automatically become a Wendigo if you ate human flesh, it's interesting because, uh, and I talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, so I don't know what parts we're going to use, but in psychology, there's Wendigo psychosis, which Mm -hmm. is if you are alone in the woods, specifically, usually it happens in the winter, you begin to crave human flesh Especially because, like, you haven't been around people. So your body does this weird thing where it's like, I gotta get human contact somehow. Let's fucking eat it. (laughs) I wanna eat people. And it's a legit diagnosis that people are given. I don't think a lot of people get it now. Yeah. But it's also weird. It's also now they diagnose people with Wendigo psychosis if you start being fearful of wanting to consume human flesh yeah, if that I, makes sense I like, saw something like that like if you're if you develop a fear that you are going to develop a, <laughs> a desire for cannibalism yeah I'm like that bitch has way too much time on her hands <laughs> you know what I'm afraid of maybe thinking about <laughs> developing cannibalism <laughs> I'm really afraid I'm gonna want to eat people at some point in my yeah. life like I I'm okay I overthink that's a whole new level when I read that I was like I guess I don't overthink that much. yeah like, yeah Oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so a lot of people were diagnosed back then with it because they're, like, isolated and all these things. And people, they would say, 
would just start threatening people around them or they'd act really violent and antisocial mm-hmm. and kind of try to go off on themselves. And there was this one fucking guy. It's so insane. So one thing that happened was in 1878, there was a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner. Mm-hmm. And he had one of the worst like documented cases of Wendigo where he was a trader with the Hudson Bay Company. He was married and had six kids. And he actually served for the Northwest Mountain Police. Mm-hmm. So you'd think he's a pretty together guy. Well, in 1878-1879, uh, Swift Runner and his whole family were starving, along with a bunch of other Cree families. Oddly enough, there was a trading post 25 miles away that had emergency supplies for the winter mm-hmm. that they could have tried to go to, but for some reason they didn't. And so, Swift Runner's eldest son, he dies of starvation. Mm-hmm. And at some point after his son dies, Swift Runner becomes completely engulfed in Wendigo psychosis. And he fucking kills the rest of his family and eats them all. Oh, no! Yeah. How many kids did he have? Six. So, he kills six people. So, his wife and the five remaining kids. And he just, like, is just sitting there fucking feasting on their flesh the rest of the winter. Oh my god. Yeah. And eventually he confesses and he's executed by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan, which is fucking insane. Uh, yeah. So people who got Wendigo psychosis became insane. And like how we were talking about tribes that actually execute people who had been succumbed by the Wendigo. Yeah. You know, whose Wendigo had taken over. Uh, to the point that there is a famous Wendigo hunter named Jack Fiddler. I need, like, a Buffy the Vampire-style show about Jack Fiddler hunting Wendigo. Oh my god, I know. And I, I, I feel so bad because Jack Fiddler is actually the name that white settlers gave him uh-huh. because he was able to pick up learning the fiddle. But I do not speak Cree, and so I can try to pronounce his name, but I know it's going to be so bad because I... You know, we just don't know how they... Like, in Latin, you pronounce Vs as Ws. Yeah. And I just don't... You know, people just don't know that kind of shit. So, yeah. I'm going to attempt to say his real name, but I'm going to continue to refer to him as Jack Fiddler, just to give honor to his Native American name, which was... Uh, I believe it was Zawano Gizigo Gaba. If anybody yeah. out there is of Cree descent and speaks it well, feel free to... You know, correct us on that, but I'm going to have things like that, too. Pronunciation problems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it uh, it means he who stands in the southern sky. So that's that was Jack Fiddler's Native American name. Gotcha. Jack was born somewhere between the 1830s and 1840s. He had kind of mysterious origins because his father himself was actually randomly found and adopted by the Sucker Clan up by, like, Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. So they don't really know where his dad came from. I'd like to think that his parents were famous Wendigo hunters, you know, (laughs) some long line that had been gunned down on a hail of Wendigo succubus fighting in the woods or something, and he was the only survivor that magically appeared to these clans that they adopted. Yeah, we're going to make that movie, too. Yes, yes. And so Jack Fiddler's father, he was actually really surprisingly good at summoning animals and mm-hmm. he became a shaman and would protect people from spells and like evil spirits and things like that mm-hmm. so jack fiddler follows in his footsteps and this is also during kind of a difficult time where 
you know, fur trading is going down because the the white settlers have come in and, you know, they've overhunted a lot of these forests. So they're already kind of getting desolate. Anyway, so Jack is kind of like that mythical shaman that these people all look up to. He grows up and he has his father's same powers to conjure animals and protect his people. And he actually becomes the leader of the Sucker Clan. Mm-hmm. He and his brother Joseph. And uh, Jack is allegedly, he becomes a Wendigo hunter. So he is the only person out of all the tribes that he is able to hunt down Wendigos and tell if people are affected by the Wendigo and he kills them. And people will actually come to him and say, I've been affected by the Wendigo, I need you to kill me. And I don't know if this is true, I tried to find ways like how they would kill people that were Wendigos Mm -hmm. or affected by the Wendigo psychosis. I haven't found any legit Native American references, but I did find a cryptozoology thing that said that they could only be killed with iron, steel, or silver, and they would do it by running a silver stake through the heart and dismembering the entire body. So kind of similar to, like, a vampire. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. And in Native American legend, the reason why they would kill people before they died, if they had Wendigo psychosis, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't let them die naturally, is because if you died while being, if you died naturally while being affected by the Wendigo psychosis, you wouldn't be able to go to the happy hunting grounds. Like, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to pass on. So, Jack is really famous. He's killed 14 Wendigos in his life, Mm -hmm. which is supposedly a last. (laughs) And... I mean, killing 14 people is a lot of people, so... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a... That's a borderline serial killer. Oh my god, what if Jack was just a serial killer? Oh my god. Shh. (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't. It's fine. Anyway, he's a serial Wendigo killer. So, what ends up happening is, it's crazy because even, like, missionaries who were aware of the Wendigo legend, they believed Jack, and they, they like, had whole records of, like, all these incidents of, like, Wendigos and people being affected by the Wendigos and Jack killing these Wendigos, which is crazy. So, Jack is pretty much, like, famous. He's fucking Robin Hood of the North, I guess. I don't know. And um, here's what... I don't know if this was the catalyst, but the missionaries starting at the beginning of the 20th century, they really wanted the sucker people to convert. And Jack was really respectful. He'd listen to them, but he was like, yeah, no, that's Mm -hmm. not not our deal. We'll, We'll keep going. Yeah. And so then in 1907, two West Northwest Mounted Police arrest Jack and his brother Joseph for murder. Oh. Yeah. And it was because Jack's, I believe it's his brother's wife, Mm -hmm. she had become infected by a Wendigo. Her name was Norma Ray. And uh, he had killed her because she had become infected by the Wendigo and had asked him to kill her before she consumed human flesh because she didn't want to eat people. And so they arrest him, and also in this culture, everyone had multiple wives. Mm -hmm. They were a a polygamist thing, but I feel like it was also because men would die a lot hunting and things like that, so they'd probably take on their brother's wives and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, they probably didn't live as long, so you'd probably want to try to procreate as much as you possibly fucking could. So after they arrest Jack and Joseph, the Wendigo hunters, uh, they tell everyone they have to disband their multiple wives. They can only have one wife, too. Which is kind of fucked up. And so they're taken into custody and they're held in the Norway house to await trial. So 
newspapers across Canada are going crazy. Like, they're coming up with stories of, like, devil worship and, like, human sacrifice and all this stuff where Joseph and Jack are just sitting there and they're like, yo, bros, like, we're the last indigenous tribe in Canada yeah. that aren't under white settler rule. We don't know what your fucking laws are. Like, we can have as many wives as we want if we choose to murder someone because they're trying to eat someone. Like, that's how we handle it. Yeah. You know? You yeah. can't try me for, for your laws. Like, you can explain them to me, and we can agree to follow your laws after we have a discussion, but you can't put me on trial for something I didn't know was a law. Yeah, when I'm not under your rule. Yeah, so it becomes this big thing, and uh, they decide they're just, like, they're going to put him on trial anyway, so... On September 30th, Jack actually escapes while they're on a walk outside, and he goes into the woods, and he hangs himself. Oh, God. Yeah, so he commits suicide, which in my mind, I'm like, a Wendigo got him. It had to be. (laughs) A Wendigo got him, which is really sad, because I feel like he probably was like, my way of life is over. Yeah. You know, he probably saw the end of the Native American way of life is what was happening. So then, uh, Joseph Fiddler is still... Being held to go on trial. And people are... Angus Ray, which is Joseph Fiddler's brother that was married to the woman that they murdered, mm-hmm. he's testifying that the woman that they killed, that his wife, was really in a lot of pain and she was incurably sick. And that these people are just not aware of their customs and things like that. And he... And the eyewitness, you know, Angus, the guy's... The woman's husband is like... Joseph, is, Joseph and Jack, it's not like everyone can just go around killing people. It's just Joseph and Jack. They're here to euthanize people yeah. who go insane and prevent people from becoming Wendigos. And so because of his testimony and everything, the magistrate, so the governor or whoever was in charge, actually issues a pardon for Joseph to pardon him from trial and from the murder. Yeah. But before the pardon can get to the jail, Joseph dies in custody. Oh, no! Yeah. And then the really sad part is Joseph and Jack, because they were the leaders of the Sucker Clan, once they die, uh, they really don't have any leadership. And so Jack's son, who was the elder at that point, then signs a treaty with the Canadian government, thus ending the last indigenous tribe in Canada that had no rule. Oh, with that was not ruled by Canadian government. That's so sad. It's so sad. God. I kind of wish one of them, I kind of wish, because I think if you commit suicide, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as taboo in Native American culture. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. But I kind of wish that committing suicide was one of the ways you could become a Wendigo. So Jack was just like, fuck you bitches. I'm going to become a Wendigo and come back and eat all you. <laughs> You know? This is what you get for destroying our way of life. How crazy would that you have been if that had happened? Plagued. Yeah, it's really sad. That's so sad. So that was the story of Jack and Joseph, the original and last Wendigo no, Hunters. God, what a dope title, a Wendigo Hunter. Okay, so I did. I started researching, I told you, I went down a rabbit hole of the Skinwalkers, mm-hmm. which is a Navajo belief. Many Navajos believe firmly in the existence of Skinwalkers and refuse to discuss them publicly, one for fear of retribution, 
um, to, you know, apparently talking about them can, like, attract them. That's, like, how we're, like, we're about talking about demon stuff. Yeah. And then also, um, a lot of Navajo people don't like to, like, really overly discuss it with people not in the culture, Mm because they think it's, like, that's a way to destroy the culture is to, like, open it up too much. Yeah. Um, but, so this is, I don't think I'm going to pronounce this correctly, in... The Navajo language, they call them Yi Naldushi, um, which literally translates to, with it, he goes on all fours. And so a skinwalker is a medicine man. So when people who want to be medicine man, um, when they learn all the shamanic magic and rituals, they have to learn the good and the bad so they can learn about the balance of life. But they're Mm -hmm. supposed to only use it, like, for good and helping, like, spiritually. But... A skinwalker is somebody who learned the shamanic ways of life and they decided to use that magic in like for evil and for their own good. And so mm-hmm. then they and in order to become a skinwalker, a lot of people believe that they have to kill someone within their own family and it's kinda of like their sowing of their soul to be able to have these like supernatural abilities to do this. That makes sense. Can you imagine like if that was your goal to do that, do you think you does it count if you adopt someone? Like <laughs> Like, you adopt someone just, or, like, yeah. adopt someone into your family, or, like, try to get adopted into a family just yeah for that purpose. Or, or like, wait, or, like, can you imagine someone who's able to wall off their emotions and, like, have a baby and be like, this baby is just so I can kill you so I can be a fucking demon shaman? I mean, I guess if you want to be a demon shaman, you're already <laughs> evil, so that's, yeah, that's true. within the realm of possibility. Um, or maybe it's, like, in the Avengers, how Thanos has to, like sacrifice the only thing that he really really loves for the soul stone oh yeah that's true spoiler alert if you haven't seen it but you've had like a whole year like you're yeah the next one's coming out already guys yeah calm down that's on you so so maybe it's something like that like you have to like kill the one that you really love oh that'd be Um, nuts let's see so a lot of skinwalkers apparently they can turn into like a really creepy like kind of like a dog type you know, deformed, creepy demon creature. Mm -hmm. But some say that they can take on the appearance. They can, like, steal people's faces and take on the appearance of, like, people you may know. And then apparently they can also just turn it, like, into a dog and into, like, a coyote or, you know, an owl or just anything. Um, But most of the ones are, are, like, they're really creepy looking. You know, like, definitely monster deformed. All right. So this story has to do with the trucker and I remember coming across this on our road trip one which is one reason I was so excited to talk about these um so this is the story this is written by this person I I found this on the internet so I'm going to read this person in his own words he says my father owns a small delivery surface that operates out of Farmington New Mexico we mostly deliver small packages out to the middle of nowhere that are too much of a hassle for the larger delivery companies to bother with My dad is the only employee, and we have a few pickup trucks and a trailer. One day, we get a delivery out to Window Rock, Arizona, on the Navajo Reservation about two hours from Farmington. My dad gets the call for the job while he is chilling with his friend, who is Navajo and from the area. Um, His friend's name is Travis, and Travis and his girlfriend uh, were both there. Travis mentions how he's got family in the Window Rock that he hasn't seen in ages, and he suggests that they go with him. I was about six or seven at the time, and it was summertime, so Dad decides we'll all go down to de- together. He can do his delivery while Travis sees his family, and then we can all go check out Window Rock, which is a big rock, apparently, with a large hole in it that looks like a window, so it's like oh, a natural nice. spot. Nice. 
We had to convoy in separate trucks since my dad's was loaded down with freight. We decided to bring along some walkie-talkies so we could communicate with one another. We spend our time in Window Rock. Everything is generally uneventful and we start heading home along the highway with my dad and I in front and Travis and his girlfriend in their truck behind us. I honestly don't remember most of that trip since I was so young, but this part I can never get out of my head. We're somewhere on the highway between Window Rock and Gallup, New Mexico. It had just rained earlier in the day and the road was kind of slick, so we were taking it pretty slow. On the left of the highway, there is nothing but sandstone cliffs, and on their right, there is a huge field separated from the road by a small barbed wire fence. We crest the the top of this hill, and down at the bottom of the hill, we see what appears to be a very large dog, sitting back on its haunches in the middle of the road facing the cliff. My dad calls over the rodeo, Hey Travis, you see that big-ass dog? Travis starts yelling back over the radio, That is not a dog. Speed up right now. Hit it. He sounds almost hysterical. He just creeps keeps screaming, hit it. Jay, you have to hit it. Please hit that fucking dog. So my dad starts to speed up. And as we get a bit closer, I can begin to see a little more clearly. It's covered in brown, wiry, matted hair that appears to have dried blood or something all over it. It's still facing the cliff, but the moment our headlight hit it, it turns around and it looks looks at us and it has a face. I don't know how else to describe it other than a mix between a bear and a human's face. It looks twisted and distorted and painful. As we get closer to this thing, we start to realize it's actually fucking huge. Though it was still sitting on its haunches, its shoulder it's about shoulder height with the hood of their truck, which is like not oh, a full shit, yeah. semi but like a big moving mm-hmm. truck. We get literally inches from hitting it when it lets out this scream that sounds like someone screaming as their lungs were filling with water and it leaps backwards towards the field, landing just on our side of the barbed wire fence. Then with another leap it was gone from sight. Travis comes over the radio again. Just keep driving. We have to get out of here. Just go faster. He kept repeating the last part in panic. We have to get out of here. We have to go faster. Pretty soon, we were speeding like crazy, and just as we start to come near the outskirts of Gallup, we get pulled over. Travis pulls his truck over with us. Naturally, this makes the cop very on edge. And as a Navajo man himself, he sees Travis and immediately asks why they felt the need to pull us, uh, why they felt the need to pull over as well. Travis says, we just saw a skinwalker a few miles back that's been following us. The officer immediately turns pale, stammers something about a verbal warning, and takes off in his car. We do the same thing. We didn't see anything else that night, but when we got home, Travis refused to let us leave without taking some kind of totem thing that he had. And apparently, like, they set up, like, a medicine man meeting for them, but... Dope. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy story. That's so creepy. I remember there was a story that I heard when I was in Wyoming that, like, because out there it's, like, all in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and this family, like, yeah, like, a skinwalker, like, somehow targeted them, like, something, like, similar, like, they were driving home and saw one, and mm-hmm. apparently, I feel like they had done something to their house, like, either they were Native American or, like, something, like, they're not allowed to come within a certain perimeter of, like, your home or something. Yeah. And that whole night, there was, like, a pack of skinwalkers surrounding their house just, like, screaming until, like, the dawn. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. That's so creepy. Can you imagine, like, duh. Like, you know it's legit when the police officer's like, get the fuck out of here. Go. Yeah, like, go, go. go. Apparently, like, because I found all stories that were, most of these people grew up on the Navajo reservation Mm -hmm. or, you know, like come from a Navajo family and they're like, oh yeah, like most people within the reservation have all had experiences. It's not like a weird thing that, you know, you might have like one relative who says they Mm -hmm. see a Bigfoot. It's like, no, people know how to handle it and like know about it. And I'm like, that's so crazy. 
Like, That's so crazy. Like, regular. Oh my god, I just like don't know what I would do. I would never get out of my car again. No. Never. And I'd be so afraid. Because they do, like, they're supposed to, like, follow you. And that's why you have to, like, get a meeting with a medicine man and have them, like, bless you and, like, do things so that it forgets your face so it, like, can't follow you anymore. Terrible. Oh, that's crazy. But what if that medicine man, because that's the other thing. I've heard stories of, like, medicine men secretly being dark shaman, you know? Yeah. So what if they were the fucking, like, skinwalker? Yeah, That was stalking you and you go to them and they're like, yes, let me help you. Uh, so mine was just the original story of the Wendigo that brought the mass knowledge of the Wendigo to white settler culture. Mm-hmm. It's a it was a, a novella, so in a collection of stories by Algernon Blackwood, mm-hmm. and it was first published in 1910. And many people think it's obviously like a true story from you know, someone's experience with a Wendigo. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in the story are there, there are these two Scotsmen who decide they want to go on a moose hunt. It's uh, Simpson and Dr. Cartwright. And they're guided by two people, Davis and DeFago, uh, who are local Canucks, Mm -hmm. you know, and they take along an Indian cook with them named Punk. (laughs) That's a great name. (laughs) Right. Punk. Yeah. And so get over here, Punk. What are you, Punk? (laughs) Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so they get to their camp. They're in deep in the woods. It's probably snowy, snowy winter. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. Uh, Simpson and the guide DeFago, they decide to canoe down river and make camp down there to kind of cover more area for moose hunting. And as they land there, DeFago, he gets weird because he senses a weird smell in the air. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And That's something I've been reading a lot about, like a rotten yeah, when flesh the, smell. Wendigos are very associated with, yeah, rotten flesh flesh smell or, like, of death uh-huh. or just of some weird, unearthly... Odor. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Yeah. Kind of a smell. <laughs> so DeFago senses this in the air and gets kind of weird. Uh, they make a fire and they go to bed. And that night, Simpson wakes up to DeFago just, like, cowering in the corner of the tent, like, huddled over, just screaming about something outside. He's like, what the fuck? So, morning comes, whatever. They start trying to track Moose. They go back that night. In the middle of the night, DeFago, like, fucking takes off in the in the night. Like, what? he just takes off. And so Simpson is like, oh my god, he's gonna die out here. It's fucking freezing. It's the winter. Yeah. I've gotta go find him. I don't know what's happening. So he tries to track him through the snow. He goes a couple miles, and he starts to realize that DeFago's footprints aren't the only footprints that he's following. That there's a second set, but it's much larger, and it's not human. And so as he's following these, he starts seeing that DeFago's footprints start morphing themselves to where now DeFago's footprints are like a miniature version of whatever is next to him walking He in turned snow. into a Wendigo! Yeah, and so Simpson, he's following these tracks and he's getting super fucking freaked out. And then he just starts hearing, like, weird whisper screams from DeFago on the wind. And, like, he just starts hearing him, like, screaming on the wind. Like, they, he can't find him. These footprints are freaking him out. And now he starts hearing these weird screams, like, animalistic kind of things. Yeah. So he freaks the fuck out, and he nopes back all the way back to the first camp. So not to the one that they had set up downriver. He canoes it all the way back to the main camp. Yeah. And when he gets there, uh, they realize Punk is gone. Punk's, like, fucked out of there, because I think he caught the same... He had caught the same smell in the wind and was like, 
I'm not saying here and you guys shouldn't either. Yeah. And he was like, it's a Wendigo. Like, there's a Wendigo here. We need to leave. And nobody else had left. So Punk is the only smart one. He's like, nope, see you later. Bye, bitches. Yeah. So Simpson gets back. Punk's gone. Cartwright and his guy, Davis, are still there. And so they all decide they're going to go search for DeFago. They can't just leave him. So they go back to that second camp. And as they're, like, camping out trying to search for DeFago, he comes into the camp and he's just this monstrous, like, gaunt figure. Like, like he does not look like... He's not a human. Yeah. And he's this monstrous figure. So they fucking freak out. And they're like, fuck it, we're going back to the first camp. We're getting out of here. We're packing up. We're leaving. No moose for us. Yeah. When they get back to the original camp, DeFago's there as a person. No! Yeah, so he's just there as a person, and he has frostbite all over him, and he's just, like, crazy. Like, he just has this weird psychosis about him. Like, he's not in his right mind. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? And before they leave, he dies. And they just go back to the main city. What? Yeah. No, that's all so much! So, we, DePago became a Wendigo, I feel like. Because they yeah. didn't put silver through his heart and cut all of his limbs off. He 100% became a Wendigo. Yeah. H.P. Lovercraft actually read this and said that it was an amazingly potent tale of demons from the of, If from the Lovecraft forest. is telling you that your monster story is good, then <laughs> your monster story is goddamn good. Yeah. But anyway, so, and he, he was especially impressed with the the way that footprints were used to heighten mm-hmm. the terror in it. And I'm like, oh, it's like that Jesus story. <laughs> when, when it's only when, one footprint. When there's because only one, I carried you. Because I was carrying you, yeah. So does that mean that Simpson was carrying the Wendigo into the woods? He's like, come on, little baby, let's go. <laughs> let's go, I'll take care of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's the original tale of, like, the, the very first published account of a Wendigo that brought... Oh, that's so crazy. To mainstream culture. Yeah. Which obviously isn't as mainstream as I thought, so. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> Apparently that's the thing, is if you can figure out what, who the skinwalker is, like, in, oh, in their regular human life. Yeah. Um, and you say their name, like, you chase after them when they're the skinwalker and you say their name, they'll get sick and die because it's like the, the universe and the world's caught up with them and it's mm. like punishing them for their evil doing. So this says, we live in a rural, rural community on the Navajo reservation. My aunt and her two brothers were home alone while my grandparents had left for the evening to attend a chapter house meeting. They were in the house and like many people from the reservation, they didn't have electricity. It's like way back in the day. It had been dark outside for about an hour. Well, actually, a lot of reservations yeah, still don't say, have electricity. I was going to say, like, even now, yeah. Yeah. This is when she was younger, so it was way back in the day. But, yeah, even now, it's yeah. a disgrace, by the way. Yeah. Um, if, really quick, I'll do a little plug. Our neighbor, Wolf, his, uh, he has a charity called the Bacona Foundation, B-I-C-O-N-A, where he collects money and buys, like, propane tanks and things to help oh, that's cool. fuel and heat houses on a reservation in South Dakota, so you guys should go find the Bacona Foundation and donate so Wolf can help people. But anyway, so my aunt and her two brothers were home alone while my grandparents had left for the evening to attend a chapter house meeting. They were in the house, and like many people from the reservation, they didn't have electricity. It had been dark outside for about an hour, and my aunt and my uncles were getting ready for bed. So they're using the kerosene lamps that my dad got us for Y2K? Probably. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Outside, they heard noises as if someone was moving things around. 
My oldest uncle went out to look out the front window and saw a figure out by the truck. This was immensely out of the ordinary because the closest neighbor was miles away. Whatever it was, opened the truck door and began to dig through the personal items that my family had left in the vehicle. My aunt and uncles were frightened by the sight and knew that they should take action. They took out the rifle and all steadied themselves to hold it up. They flung open the door and aimed the gun at the dark figure. The figure turned and started to walk towards them, totally unfazed by the fact they had a weapon. My uncle pulled the trigger, but nothing happened. The figure drew closer, and my aunt began to smell something like a rotting corpse. It was so strong it made her gag. My uncle continued to pull the trigger with no luck, and the figure came closer and closer. Off in the distance, headlights were coming up the road. My grandparents were finally returning. The figure looked towards the lights and started to move away, and tucked itself behind a tree near the house. My oldest uncle ran out toward the truck with the gun. My grandfather got out of the car, and my uncle pointed to the tree. The thing was poking out its head to observe what was happening. My grandfather ran into the house and over to the stove and grabbed a handful of ashes and rubbed over the gun and placed an ash-covered bullet into the chamber. He walked out onto the porch and fired towards the tree. Whatever that thing was didn't expect the gun to go off. The gunshot echoed, and the dark figure began running. My grandma chased my aunt inside and my younger uncles... um, and my older uncles and my grandfather went after it. There weren't many roads or paths, so as my grandfather and uncles chased after the figure, the truck was bouncing and the headlights were not fixed on any one particular spot. My uncle swears that whenever the headlights would manage to hit the figure, he saw a woman. And not only that, whoever it was was running on all fours like a bear. My grandfather eventually stopped the truck, and as they neared the ditch, this is written weird, but I guess they, like, they, he had to stop the truck because there's a huge di- ditch that's like 20 feet mm. that the skinwalker was running towards. So my grandfather eventually stopped the truck when they reached the ditch. He got out and began to yell in Navajo. My uncle says that he was yelling about a local woman. He yelled that he wasn't scared and he knew it was her and that he, she needed to leave his family alone. A few days passed and there, there was news that that same woman my grandfather was yelling about had gotten sick and passed away suddenly. Is I've always been told that if you know who the skinwalker is, say their name and it will kill them. Interesting. Yeah. There's another story that I won't read because it, it wasn't written very well, so it's kind of scattered and all over oh, yeah. the place. Um, but it was written by somebody who was Navajo, and um, their parents were raised on the reservation, like all their mm-hmm. family lives there, but their parents had moved away. So they didn't grow up on the reservation like all their cousins and stuff did. Yeah. Um, and they just didn't know a ton about, like, some of the family lore, you know, even though oh, they yeah. like visit, and so they never really believed in this. Like they kind of put their cultural identity, like you know, they'd kind of ignore it. And so um, when they were a little older and they were a teenager, they went to visit like their grandparents and their aunts and uncles and stuff. And they were like, "So is the Skinwalker real?" And their grandma was like, "Don't talk about it. Like, don't say it." And they like all freaked out. So they went. Um, they all went to bed that night, and like one came up and. Like, like, start tapping on the window. Because that's a really common thing, is they'll try to tap on the window to get you to, like, look outside and come outside. Because apparently if they lock eyes with you, they can, like, paralyze you and, like, control you. So, that happened, and he's like, (laughs) she she or he, whoever wrote it, is like, I went and got my mom, and my mom was like, it's three in the morning, what are you doing? And he's like, there's some real Blair Witch shit happening, Mom! (laughs) And so, they all got up, and her... (laughs) The grandfather went and rubbed a bullet in ash and put it in a gun. I guess apparently that's how you kill a skinwalker. But mm, interesting. Yeah. And they're all like, like screaming like blessings and the Navajo language at it and stuff. I was like, oh, so if you ever come across the skinwalker, oh, that's how you kill it. But you gotta not look it in the eye first. Yeah, and you gotta have a silver stake for the wind to go. You just need a whole <laughs> arsenal of different yes. things. 
Yes, Monster Hunters. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. Ugh, and I'm so creeped out about, like, anyone that taps on my window. I know. Like, just look at this. Can you imagine that? I'd be like... also supposed to be super tall like seven eight feet tall just super crazy huge veins and I had a friend once that um so he's the one that actually kind of told me about the Wendigo that this version is if they come out on full moons and they wander the woods and the outdoors Mm -hmm. searching for souls to hunt and he was an avid outdoor rock climber and so he would always be out in the middle of the country like climbing like we fucking climbed a tree one time that had grips like it was a giant oak tree but oh, you know how cool. it withers yeah, yeah. We, you could use them for hand grips so he was out by himself late one night and it was a full moon and he saw this shadow like moving and he didn't know what it was and then it started coming after him and so what? he got in his truck and he drove away and it didn't really go into a lot of detail because he didn't even really want to describe it because he felt it was one of those things where once you give it power, it can start following you more. Yeah. But he did say that after that, he started having, like, hauntings a lot. Like, things, like, late at night if he was alone, like, things, like, knocks would happen or, like, he'd hear growls. No, I don't like any of that. Yeah, and they say that some Wendigos, again, there's so many accounts of what a Wendigo is and what their powers are. But some people say once a Wendigo catches a taste for you, they are almost like a succubus and can attach to your soul and follow you. No, your friend has like a thing <laughs> following him. I know, how fucking creepy has is that? Has he had like bad luck and shit since then or what? I don't know, I haven't been in touch with him. His his name is Danny. So Danny, if you're listening, let me know. Do you Dan- have bad luck? are you okay? Have you, seen, have you seen a Wendigo since? Danny, are you okay? <laughs> Danny, what is going on? Wellness check, Danny. Are you okay? No, and so the worst thing is, like, he said that all of these happened. Like, it started happening when he lived in the apartment across from me, but it was before I lived in these apartments. Because when he lived in the apartment across from me, he's like, the first time was I was home alone, and I had to take a shit, and I closed the bathroom, and there was just this clawing and growling coming from the other side of the bathroom door, and I didn't know what to do, and I was like... Yeah, like, you want to finish your shit, but you're also like, I'm not opening that door, so I might as well stay in here and enjoy my last moment. <laughs> yeah, might as well fully shit to, like, like you said, your full enjoyment of it and your yeah. bodily functions before you go. So then part of me has, was always like, I can never shut this bathroom door in this apartment because there's a <laughs> demon living here because he clearly was only maybe 50 feet away from me across the hall. And apparently it just, yeah, it comes around and it's got a taste for him. Does it get taste for other people while it also has a taste for him? Or is it like a one-hit wonder type of thing? This one's kind of short, but this one, like, gave me goosebumps when I was reading it. Hopefully I can, like, read it to you guys as well as when I was actually reading it myself. Yes. I was a kid when this happened. My uncle and I were finishing up chopping and gathering wood for my grandfather, or my grandmother, because it was getting dark. Driving back on a dirt road at about 30 miles per hour, give or take 5 miles per hour, I had this awful sense of being watched. Before I could turn to to look out my window, I was on the passenger side obviously, my uncle quickly shouted, Dope! And I completely froze. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest and then completely stopped when I heard a tap, tap on my window next to my head. My uncle sped up and was loudly praying in our native language. I didn't know what was going on and thought it was over till our truck suddenly dipped. 
my uncle then started saying, look at me, don't turn and don't turn away. Just look at me, look at me over and over. And then I heard it again, tap, tap. But it was from the window behind me. It was getting harder for me to breathe and I wanted to cry. A minute or two passed and the truck dipped again. My un uncle looked around inside. It was quiet besides the truck on the road. He looked at me and said, we're going to ask your father, your father to do a prayer in the morning so the evil will forget our faces. And then the person says, this is the Navajo to English equivalent of what he said. I remember curling up on the seat and just staring at the radio, watching the time, not wanting to look outside, listening to my uncle sing an old prayer over and over until we got to my grandmother's house. I called my uncle later because I had a nightmare about it that night. We talked for a bit, and he said, again, Nav Navajo to English equivalent, I didn't see faces, just eyes, like brake lights you see on the road, and it was watching you. Before hanging up, I tried joking with him about it. I was like, why didn't you just step on the brake when it was in the back? It's like my uncle did not laugh. He just paused and said, because it wasn't alone. Like, oh, there was a bunch of them. Oh, fuck. That'd be so uh, scary. That'd be so creepy for like a pack of like Wendigos to be, or not Wendigos, but a pack of skinwalkers. Skinwalker. Like one skinwalker is terrifying enough, but for them to like organize and come after you. Ugh. Fucking creepy. So now we need to go like bless <laughs> the house. We need to like have things forget our faces. Mm-hmm. That's so creepy. Like, what if now, with the age of social media, though, it's impossible to have one forget your face because they, like, just take a picture of you and they save it on their phone. <laughs> right. Or they're, like, they know who you are already because mm -hmm. you know them. Kind of like that one who's like, I know who you are. Leave my family alone. Like, they're all oh, friends yeah. with you on Facebook. <sighs> Terrifying. I wonder how you know that someone's, a sh like, a shapeshifter. Mm -hmm. Or if there's, like, tells. Or if you can just tell, like somebody in your community is like a real fucking bitch and you're like mm -hmm. i bet it's that and person. her brother died of mysterious causes <laughs> yeah exactly her twin brother like the yeah. person closest to him or her and the yeah. yeah yeah so spookyish next time on the podcast we're gonna do some curses curses i've actually i have been told i've been cursed before Oh, really? And, yeah, my spiritual teacher that I told you about, like, mm -hmm. broke it for me. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. But next time we're going to talk about curses, I'll tell you a little bit more about the time I was apparently cursed, and then we'll uh, talk about... Can we see curse? if I've been cursed? First lore. Maybe. I feel like there's no way I haven't <laughs> been cursed. <laughs> yes. We can talk about things that you should do if you think that you're cursed. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, ask yeah. your shaman. Yeah. So. Cool. I'll get some things. I know some things, too. Eggs apparently have a lot of mm. power for that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Are you supposed to, like, sleep with an egg under your bed or something? Mm -hmm. You break it. And if you've been, like, really badly cursed, apparently it, like... It'll be will, black. It'll be, like, cooked in the middle of the Oh, night. shit. Yeah. That's, that's, like, one thing. I don't know. I've never tried it, but... Interesting. Yeah. I think you need hardwood floors for that. <laughs> like... I'm gonna try it. Because you're supposed it. to break it on the floor. I have carpet. I'm not breaking an egg on my carpet. Oh, you're supposed to break it on the floor? I think so. Shit. Well, I have oh, hardwood. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's see if you've been cursed. I'll sleep. The night before we record, I'll sleep with an egg under my bed. There you go. And then you come over and we'll smash it on the floor. Yes. Perfect. Okay, cool. Maybe we should leave a video. <laughs> yeah. But then maybe that's it, because it's like, you know, um, theoretical physics. Like, they have now proven that things behave differently if they're observed. So maybe if you observe oh, the egg, true. it won't work for you, and it won't break your curse. Shoot. So maybe I'll just do it, and I'll tell you about it. Yeah, tell me about it. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So curses, next time. Enjoy, guys.
And don't curse anybody, because that's rude. Yeah, you bitches. <laughs>